Hello, brothers and sisters. Pastor Jason here. I'm so excited to be back with you here on this episode. I want to thank you for your continued listening on these podcasts. We've hit nearly 1,300 downloads, which is amazing, in my opinion, for as small of an audience as that I was trying to reach in the beginning with. But I want to encourage you to share Pastor Bites with someone. The easiest way to do that is just send them to our website at pastorbites.com. Let them scroll to the bottom of the page, and then they can choose whatever platform of listing they would like to, whether it be Google Podcasts or iTunes or Podbean, whatever way they'd like to consume these. But just share it with someone. Tell them you want to encourage them, and maybe they just want to add it to their routine for the week of their Bible studies. But On this episode, I was teaching Sunday school this weekend and for a young man that was sick, and I was asked a question, and it intrigued me that the question was asked, and it was a great question. The question was this, what's the difference between the soul and the spirit? And it was a good question. It was a very uh, relevant question for Sunday school. I love it whenever people ask questions. That's how really I get intrigued is when someone asks a question. I've done so much study on this topic that it really kind of opened up an area, and I kind of took a little 15-minute tour down a rabbit hole and, and tried to explain that. But, you know, it's a valid question. Because really, as we think about the Christian life, or at least how I do anyway, is that I'm always constantly wondering, how does this work? How does that work? You know, I was mowing my yard the other day. And I got on my lawnmower, and I got a nice zero-turn mower uh, here several years ago, and I got a pretty good-sized yard, so it's pretty nice to have. And I got on that mower, and I got ready to get out of the garage, and I turned the key on and hit it to start, and it wouldn't start. Well, there's no pull cord on this mower, so I couldn't just pull it, but it just wouldn't start. It just clicked. And the more I thought about it, I had something else I needed to do. I went and did it, and my course, my yard's growing for a day or two, and I went back out there and tried to turn it over, and it just clicked, and the battery wasn't dead. I tested it, and it was okay, and you know, I went through all the little things you try to do and shaking the wires, and nothing happened. Finally, I got on the mower and I thought, you know what, rather than push push mow, I don't even know if it runs anymore. It's over in the corner of my garage. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to short across that starter and I'm going to get this yard mowed because I don't want to push this thing. It's a pretty good size yard. So I did. So I went over there and grabbed the screwdriver and, and crossed over the starter and started it up and away I went and I mowed the yard and, and now it looks a lot better than it did. And we thank the Lord we had rain. So I got it mowed. And I got thinking just about how simple illustration that was that, you know, there's a lot of people that mow yards, but they don't understand how a mower works. And some people just don't care as long who cares. I just cut the grass. I get on the lawnmower and I take off. And that's the same way it is in the Christian experiences. Some people don't understand the spirit, the soul, the body. You know, it doesn't really matter to them, and that's okay. But I'm just not that kind of person. I, I kind of like to know how things work and why they work the way they do and how's God built us. And those things really intrigue me because a lot of my job is I'm sitting down and meet with people, and I get to help work on the soul, work on the body. And that's one of the things that I do. So, you know, in that little illustration, I just want to encourage you that if you don't know this, that's okay. But the bottom line is, is maybe you want to go from just doing it to knowing how it works and understanding people and understanding situations, understanding yourself. It helped me a lot to be able to understand myself. And I want to talk to you about, first of all, the idea of 
the soul. What is the soul? And that is so important because the soul is what will live eternally. That's a part of us that will live eternally. It will live forever and ever. The soul will die not, the Bible says. And so in within the soul, there are three major working parts. And the three major working parts are the mind, the will, and the emotions. So we got the mind, the will, and the emotions. And th- those things can be broke down individually. I'd like to take just a few minutes to do that here and hope we'll get through at least the soul part of this. But see, we, first of all, we're a triune being. You know, God, we are made in his image. So God said, I want to make something that is made like me. So God's a triune being. We know that, you know, Holy Spirit, the Father and the Son, all in one. And so we're a living being also. We're, we are spirit, soul, and body. The body being the outer shell, the skin, you know, the blood, the heart. You know, all those things, the eyes, that's that's our body. That's the outer body. So when we deal with things like uh, cancer, then we're dealing with the body. It's not, it will affect the will, but it's mainly dealing with the body. And when we deal with things like health problems, it's dealing with the body. But then there's the soul, which is the mind, the will, and the emotions. And then a person is made with the spirit. And if you're a Christian, then you have now God's spirit. And that's the spirit. And in scripture, when you look at the spirit and the soul, sometimes it's difficult to determine. And you can't always determine it. It's kind of like some other things in scripture, uh, like wine. It's almost impossible in the New Testament to look at wine and understand if it's fermented or unfermented because it's the same word. Well, it's the same way with the soul and the spirit sometimes. But then there are times that it's easier to understand that God's talking about the soul or he's talking about his spirit that's in you. And so on the soul, whenever we think about it, we have to remember the mind is the computer of of you. It's it's the thing that downloads information. It's the thing that has reasoning. You know, it's we have our thinking, we have our thoughts, we have, you know, our memory, you know, our experiences. And so it's in our mind that has this downloaded computer that as we have experiences, we make our conclusions and our perceptions. And our mind is becoming uh, what it is at a very young age as we start understanding, knowledge, and realizing everything that's around us and the environment that we're in and who mama is and who daddy is and what's safe and what's not safe and when we get in trouble and, 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 the, and that mind's being made. Long before we're conscious of God or conscious of the things of God, we're developing this mind. So it's so important to understand that, you know, one of the things that people have a difficult time with is memory and experiences, and that's stored in this. And when they come into the kingdom of God, they read across things in Scripture, and they have a hard time with things in Scripture because their experiences don't line up with what the Scripture says. But see, our experiences are not more true than the Bible. They're just not. Even though we've had these experiences, if the Bible says who the Son has set free is free indeed, then we are free. Even if we're not experiencing freedom, we are free because the Scripture says we're free. And if we've experienced not freedom and we've experienced bondage, it does, still doesn't matter that the Bible's true. You know, the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. So what God says is true is true. And so that's what Romans chapter 12 says. It says, be ye transformed 
transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we have a mind that needs to be renewed. It needs to be reprogrammed into the things of God. And so then not only do you have the mind within the soul, but you also have the will. And the will is very simple. The will are the things that we do. Once we've made the choice in our mind, once we've decided to do something, then we act upon it. I had a will to come in here and turn on the computer and turn on the recording device and begin recording this podcast. So I chose to do so. So I used my will to act out the things that I do. Now, these, this is very important because sometimes the devil has told people, the devil, excuse me, has even convinced people that they don't have a choice. You know, I've heard people say, well, I just can't control it. Well, that's just simply not true. You're deceived in your mind. The devil's told you, you can't control, you can control it. You can control things, but you have experienced a failure in your life enough times in an area. So you've come to the conclusion in your mind that you can't control it. But the truth is God allows us to be controlled. He does allow us to be controlled. Now we may have habits that are difficult to break. We may have a struggle. We may have a bondage. We may have a chain. We may have an addiction, but the truth is we can control it. Uh, through the power of God. So the will is an important place. I counsel a lot of people. And the point is, is that they're stuck in their simple choices. And this is the part of the soul that they're stuck in. This is the part of the soul that at salvation, the soul needed saved. It was lost. It was bent towards sin. And at salvation, but unfortunately, all of a sudden, the soul and the will and the mind and the emotions don't just align with the word of God and everything's just fine. See, it's programmed with that sinful nature. We have to bring things in light of Scripture and then let our will be changed by the power of God. And that's changed through the Spirit. The will is the thing that can stop the power of God in your life. It can stop the power of God in your life. It's the one of the strongest things that can be stronger than God. Hear me now, is the will. Because if we choose not to let God work in our life, he will not move. He will not violate that will. He's made us, and he makes the rules. I don't make the rules. God says, I won't violate your will. I will not come into your heart and into your soul and change you and make you do anything. Isn't that amazing? God will not force us to do anything. And he chooses to, so we actually, our will in our mind can be stronger than the Spirit of God. Now, if we was in an arm wrestling match, you know, he'd slam dunk us. He'd hurt us. He'd tear our arm off. But God chooses not to. And so that's so important that we have to comply. And this is where people get stuck. The Bible says if you walk in the Spirit, Galatians 5.16, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But see, the Spirit has to be complied with with the will and with the mind. You have to make a decision. It has to be declared that you allow the Spirit of God to work through you. But if you get stubborn and think you can do it and think you can handle it, your will will stop the very power of God because it's deep inside you. God has deposited his spirit at salvation. The Bible says if you have not the spirit of God, then you're none of his. So if you are his and he's yours and you're each other's, then that means you have the Holy Spirit that's inside of you. But it doesn't mean you have to let that Holy Spirit out. You can let the Holy Spirit be dormant. God can try to move through you, but you say, I'm not going to. I've chose my sin over God. I've chose to do what I want to do. I'm going to do things in my own strength. 
and the Holy Spirit will be there, but it will be dormant. It won't be working. And this is why people have such trouble with sin is because they really make a decision that, you know, there's really nothing they can do. Oh, well, I'm just kind of, you know, lending myself over to the devil. And what's what scripture say? In Romans, it says that we're not to yield our members to unrighteousness, but we're to yield our members to God. And why is he telling us that? He's saying because in your soul, in your mind, Paul's telling you that you need to yield yourself to God. Yielding is allowing God to work through you. And that's a very important place of the soul that we allow God to work through us. And those are the things that we do. If we're stuck in bad behavior, we're really stuck in our will. Our mind has not been fully convinced because we, a lot of times we have these experiences that we try and we try and we try and we fail. So we finally just give up and do the wrong thing. But my friend, it's time that we take scriptures, the authority, and we know that God gives us the ability to overcome sin He says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. So he allows us. And by the way, if we're not being led by the Spirit, then we are out in rebellion against God, which is the sin of witchcraft, the Bible tells us. I don't mean to get too heavy, but that's just the truth. And the soul... It has to comply with the Spirit of God. Now, God can work on us. He can try to convince us. He can make situations happen to try to get us to turn ourselves over to him. But we ultimately need to comply with God. We need to lay down our sin and lay down our way of doing things, lay down our way of thinking things through, and allow God to be able to change us. But then last but not least within the soul is the emotions. And the emotions is where people spend a lot of time trying to overcome. How many people do you know that battle emotions, emotions of anger, emotions of depression, emotions of giving up, emotions of disparity, emotions of, you know, this or that, you know, you watch TV and all it is is one big emotion, you know, it's, it's either real, real happy or real, real depressed. I mean, the emotions are a very important part of us, you know. God's made us with emotions, and I love that we have emotions, but the emotions are just a byproduct of what we think on. The, the emotions are a byproduct of the, the, the choices that we've made and the values that we have. You know, I've kind of talked about that in an episode before, in an early episode, but the truth is the emotions are a very powerful thing. And, you know, as we think about the emotions, I was talking there the other day in Sunday school, and I said the problem is, I said, we try to put our emotions in the front of everything else. We kind of say, well, we'll do it whenever we feel like it. We'll do this whenever it seems right. You know, I don't feel like it right now. I'll wait till later. That's a dangerous place to be in the kingdom of God because the Bible does not say let's be led by the emotions and then everything else will follow. But it says be led by the spirit of God. And it says that we are to commit ourselves to God, that it's our reasonable service. You know, we're to yield ourselves to his work, whether we feel like it or not. And a lot of times we have an emotional train. I kind of drew it out there on a chalkboard and had a train and I had a caboose, of course, in the back. And I had the engine there in the front and I wrote right in the front of the engine. A lot of I wrote the word emotions and we we were led by our emotions. And and then if we feel like doing something, we do it. How many do you know that that'll lead you to sin? You can't be led by your emotions because all of a sudden you'll be constantly trying to do things to make you feel good. Eating sugar makes me feel good for a little bit, and I feel horrible if I eat too much of it. But so I'll just keep eating it, keep eating it. Well, I'll just I'll be five, six hundred pounds for it's over if I don't stop that idea. It's the same way in our spiritual life. If we only do what things feel good to us and what's sweet to us, eventually we're going to be in a very unhealthy state spiritually. I can't just get up and do the things I feel like doing. A lot of times I don't feel like reading my Bible. A lot of times I don't feel like praying. 
but I do it as a spiritual discipline from a decision that I made in my mind years ago that I need to get up. I need to study because what did Jesus say when he was tempted in the wilderness? He said to Satan, the first time he tempted him, he said, turn these rocks into, into bread. And Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I've made the decision to eat from the word of God. That's my diet. That's my daily diet. That's a decision no matter how I feel. And I'm not saying there's not days I don't miss when I get up real, real early or something happens. But but I'm telling you, 90, 95% of the time I'm up, I'm studying, I'm looking at the word of God. I spend some time in prayer. Last night I went on my back porch and spent a few minutes in prayer, you know, before supper time. It's a decision that I've made in my mind. And many people don't see transformation because because they're not fully convinced that they need the word of God. They're not fully convinced they need prayer. And that's in these emotions because they put the word emotion in that front part of the train that drives the train. And then what happens if you put the emotions in the front of the train, then the will will follow. But we need to make the will in the front of the train. We need to put the things that we choose to do in the front of the train. And I don't mean to be so simplistic, but it is that simple in the area of the soul that we need to be fully convinced. And there's many people battling depression today that refuse to put the will, the choices in front. And they say, well, I can't do it. I just can't do it. No, you think you can't do it, but you can do it. If I told you there was a million dollars, if you would walk 15 miles and you couldn't drive a car, could you do it? Sure. But the depressed person will not get out of bed and they will not start exercising and start eating right and making good choices if they're not careful, if they're given over to the flesh, if they just let their soul run wild. And I'm not making light of depression. It's a serious thing. And it's not easy to overcome. It takes a lot of things to overcome something like that. I mean, we got to get the word of God in us. You need a support group of people in your life. You need a home church that sows into you and believes in, believes in you. I mean, there's a lot of things. You're going to need daily Bible study. You know, it's going to take a lot to learn to eat right. I've had to work on that myself. But the bottom line is, is we can overcome you know, you take a person that's caught into a life of of continued bad habits and continued making bad choices and spending too much money and doing the wrong thing and suffering the consequences and their marriage is hurting. I mean, we got to make some decisions. If we're an emotional spender, every time we get emotional, we want to go buy something. You know, we need to come against that. Galatians 5.16 again says, if you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's our goal in the Christian life. We need to walk in the spirit. We got to comply and come in alignment with what God wants to do. What I want to do, my comfort zones may not be what God wants me to do today. I may have to go out and do something for someone that I don't feel like doing. I got two or three things today that I really don't feel like doing, but God, I believe has asked me to do them. There's a couple that we, that in our church that need some help, that they need some help. And so a couple of us guys are going to go over and we're going to put some roofing on for them. I hate roofing, but you know what? I believe God wants me to help in doing that. There's a service that's quite a ways away from Wellington that, uh, you know, a good friend of ours is having and, and for one of their loved ones. And so I'm going to get in the car and I'm going to drive all the way over there. It's not necessarily what I planned today. But the bottom line is, as many of us have those things, and I know some of you have overcome some things, but it's a battle of the soul is where the, the fight is won. 
you know, I know there's some people that deal with some complications, some health complications from the outer body. And I know it affects the, the mood, the emotions. And I know we can't always just be happy, but joy comes from inwardly, from allowing the spirit of God to work in us. You know, abundant life comes from the battle. When we overcome that battle, the soul and the mind, the will and the emotions, and we start letting God work through us and in us. And we start realizing that we're not just some slave of God. We're not a slave of God, but we're sons, we're daughters, and we're fully convinced. And we revelation comes in the mind. Revelation, when we realize that God has set us free from the wages of sin, when God wants to work through us, revelation comes in the mind. And, and you know, the Apostle Paul said that I wish that you knew the manifold grace of God or the many graces of God. What he is saying is, is that there's a grace of God when you get saved. And throughout your Christian life, you'll see revelation after revelation of grace, how good God is, how how really pathetic we are as humans, but how God graces us abundantly above all that we can think or ask. You know, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. The power of the Holy Spirit inside of us, it takes revelation to understand. Many of us were given the Spirit of God at salvation, but we've never had the revelation in our soul that says that we do have the Spirit of God that lives inside of us. That same Spirit that raised Lazarus from the dead lives inside of you, and he wants to work in the Christian life to help you overcome sin, death, hell, the grave, and wants to use you to reach out to other people because the Spirit of God is groaning inside of you, but you have to have you need to have revelation that says that spirit of God is in me and that power is greater than any power that's inside of me. It's greater than any experience I've had. It's greater than any bad memory that I had. It's greater than anything I've ever thought. And he's able to work and do in me. Philippians 2.13 says, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Do you see that word will? It is God who works in you to will. So it's possible to allow the spirit of God, which is greater if you allow it to be than anything you've ever experienced. It is God who will will in you to do his good pleasure, not my good pleasure, not my pleasure machine that wants to do and wants to do and wants to feel good, but it's God in me who will will and even do his good pleasure. Doesn't that sound good, friends? To do his good pleasure. I don't know about you, but I want to be able to do the things of God. I want to be able to see God's blessing in my life. I want to be able to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. There's enough despair. There's enough discouragement. But I want to be able to be used in the kingdom of God. I want to be able to be, whenever I see my Lord face to face, I want to be able to see him and say, and he says, welcome in, thou good and faithful servant. And I want to sit at the judgment seat of Christ and be judged. See, we'll be judged, my friends. We'll be judged one day. We'll be judged by the things and the choices that we made. We won't be judged for our sin. Thank God if you're a Christian, that'll be the great white throne judgment. We won't be there, but we'll be sitting in the judgment seat of Christ, and he'll say, what'd you do with your time, sister? What'd you do with your time, brother? What'd you do with the gifts I gave you? What'd you do with the Holy Spirit that I gave you? Did you allow me to work in your life, or did you just squander it, and you go on with your life and never learn of these things? Never ask me what I wanted. You just lived your life the way you did, friends. That'll be a scary place to sit. When I sit there, I want to say, God, I did what I thought you wanted me to do. I let your will work out in my life. I didn't choose my life, but God, I did what you told me you wanted me to do. That'll be a great place to sit, friends, if we're obedient and we allow the Spirit of God to work through our soul, through our life, through our time, through our emotions, through our mind, 
and through the things that we do through our will. Friends, I hope this word's been good to you. Until next time, God bless.